0: Today's episode is brought to you by Alexandra Park BJJ. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a full-contact martial art and combat sport that was developed in Brazil in the 20th century. With roots in Judo and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, has been developed and refined into a unique grappling art with the aim to allow a smaller and weaker individual to beat a bigger and stronger opponent with the application of proper technique. Based in Moswell Hill, North London, Alexandra Park BJJ's classes are designed so that you can develop your fitness levels, balance, coordination and flexibility in a no-pressure environment and to provide the opportunity to start a new sport at a reasonable price. At Alexandra Park BJJ, we aim to be inclusive so that everyone can benefit from this incredible art, not just the athletic or ultra-competitive. To book your free class, head over to alexandraparkbjj.co.uk or email inquiries at alexandraparkbjj.co.uk
1: Welcome to Audiobookish, an audiobook review and discussion podcast looking at audiobooks both big and small, as well as radio plays, narrative podcasts, anything audiobook-ish. This podcast may contain spoilers, rants, curse words, mispronunciations of names and places, and more.
0: Hello everyone, you're listening to... Audiobookish, my name is Fahed Rahman and as always I'm joined by Poppy Knight Hello! And today we will be discussing The Nightfield by Donna Glee Williams as read by Deborah Michaels and I'll read out the description for this one. Welcome to The Real where Pinpoys people live in harmony with nature until a killing stink threatens their whole world Pinpoys mother Marak wants her to grow up to be The matriarch of the tribe, learning how to cook, to make medicines, how to care for everyone. But Pinpoi would rather be out amongst the trees with her father Suk Suk, learning how to persuade trees to root into bridges, to feel when shoots are too crowded, when dropping leaves need attention. Then something starts going wrong in the real. When the rains come, instead of nourishment, they bring a noxious stench that's poisoning the people and plants alike. Pimpoi is a tree woman now. It's her job. Their only chance is for her to climb to the land beyond the wall where the ancestors live to plead for their intercession. Pimpoi never expected to find a whole new world up there with people who are very different from her own family and friends. A land where they are killing nature and that's killing the real. The trees have a job for Pimpoi, and to succeed she's going to have to be brave and strong and true no matter what. So thanks to NetGalley for providing mm. the advanced review copy for this. I'll just start off uh, asking you, Poppy, what were your kind of initial impressions of the book?
1: Yeah, so initially I kind of thought a lot of world building. Um, so it's a kind of sci-fi fantasy sort of book. And so you expect a lot of world building, but I definitely felt that there was a lot to take in with this of kind of what are the rules of this world? What's the situation of this world? What science or power or magic or whatever it is, Involved here um, and the setting and everything like that, I felt was quite complex, and so I definitely felt like it needed your attention on it to try and figure out what was going on. And maybe attentionly confusing, I'm not sure, or maybe it's just that it was a complex um, world coming into it. But I certainly felt that I found it hard to get into it, potentially because of that. It was certainly the world building that hit me first, and then in general, as you know, we'll go on to talk about because it was. A big thing of how I experienced this book but the first kind of 50% of it a lot of it I was very confused as to where we were who we were with what was going on (laughs) what about you
0: no I kind of felt the same way Mm -hmm. I found it difficult to kind of get into the book Mm. initially um, and it took me I think maybe not as long as you but it did take me a a good portion of the book to kind of get emotionally invested and kind of figure out what was happening as Mm -hmm. well so yeah
1: Yeah, no, that's very fair. For me, I felt, so this kind of goes on to my my first and my biggest point, I felt that it was around, I believe it's chapter eight, that I started getting into it. So I found that chapter eight, they seem to do a time jump backwards to a kind of middle point where Pimpoy has left her home and before she gets to the place that she's in for the majority of what we've heard up until that point um I think it's probably how I'd describe it and I was guessing from what was going on that we'd gone back in time but I really did wish there'd been something in like the chapter heading or something like that that had told us we'd gone back in time um because it was only when I heard something that was very concrete um so I think it was when she's like as I later knew on the track, that I was like, okay, yes, we've definitely gone back in time here. But until then, I was like, have we gone back? Have we not? I'm not sure. But in that section, I really got more to grips with who Pimpoy is, where she came from, what her kind of world experience is, And as well, what is this new world that she's in? How it's more like our own than like hers. The things that she does know, the things that she doesn't know. And the characters in it. So there was like Boss Lady, I think, in there. I I really got into it from that point. From that point, I was really enjoying it. And I just wished as, you know... Kind of a counterpoint to wishing that the chapters told us when there were flashbacks and, and when there weren't or where we were moving to. I kind of wish this book had started or at least, you know, the first couple of chapters was chapter eight. So I wish we'd done this book more chronologically. Mm. I think I found that the doing so much where she's at the tract, which, yeah, where a lot of the main content of this book takes place right you have that before chapter eight and it just doesn't really make much sense i think if i'd had this middle section her transition from her home to the tract before that and was following it with her more on the journey she actually took i would have been in this from way way earlier and really enjoyed it and it's not because I don't like non-chronological stories I love when authors mess about with time and stuff like that it can be really really interesting and I wonder if maybe the effect they were going for which is one that's worked really well in other books is like a you know confusion thing you know because she's confused in a new world so you just drop your listeners into a new world that you don't want them to know anything about right however I don't think that's really an effect that was gained here in not in a positive way anyway because we could have still followed Pimpoy's journey through chronologically and still only known as much as she knows, right? Um, And could have still had that effect. So I don't really know what the purpose was of only giving us chapter eight and the kind of connected ones with with that part of the story so late on. And I really wish they'd been earlier. Um, What did you think about that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it, it does kind of jump chronologically quite a lot and I don't think that's also helped by the fact that it also jumps from character perspectives yeah. as well within chapters so I don't maybe if you're reading this it would be kind of clearer what time it was taking place at and kind of which character was speaking at which point in time I don't know if there's like something in the text that would make that more obvious but I, yeah I, I kind of take your point that maybe this could have done with a little bit less. Of that, but yeah, I think maybe part of the reason why Donna's decided to tell the story in the manner that she mm-hmm. has is to kind of give kind of uh, a sense of I don't know, not necessarily doom, but kind of like foreboding.
1: Okay, about yeah. the mm-hmm. entire
0: thing. So maybe that's part of the reason. But yeah, it was maybe a little bit unnecessary
1: mm. to
0: that. So yeah, yeah, I kind of take your point.
1: Cool. Yeah, and I think I actually did quite like the different character perspectives and character jumps and sort of wonder if maybe that does work better in audio because i felt that um deborah did do quite a good job of the different character voices and so i felt that kind of yeah hearing it i knew who was speaking um and whose perspective it was from, where, I don't know, maybe if I were reading it, and um, certainly if I were bitty, picking it up and dropping it down, then once I'd missed the character heading of whose perspective it was, I could have maybe lost my sense of who was talking, possibly. Uh, whereas I didn't find that in the audio. I, yeah. I knew who was talking, and I did quite like getting the different um, yeah, sides of it, um, how the different characters see each other, how some of them, yet yeah, are more like or more like people we would recognize where pinpoi is from a very different world um but yeah i did enjoy that um on the voices though i think i did feel sometimes like i could tell when voices were put on so particularly the kind of like southern american accent Mm. um i wasn't a massive fan of i mean i was coming to it knowing that that wasn't the accent of the narrator you know it being such a contrast to the rest of the accents as well but it, it didn't ring as as true to me so I didn't really enjoy that one as much but regardless I still think for uh, a lot of characters and a lot of characters that don't just have dialogue but have the book from their perspective the different voices and different perspectives worked really well and I enjoyed it and helped me be into it and certainly once I was yeah getting into it and maybe they did help me get into it um yeah as well.
0: Yeah. So yeah, just to talk a little bit about the overall book. So we've basically, there's basically two settings in the book. We've got the real, which I think is kind of like a rainforest type environment where you've mm. got a, um, I hesitate to use the word indigenous, but kind of a, a native tribe living in like harmony with nature and the, you know, the people living in there um, in the real um, have maybe like magical powers is the best way. To describe it, so um, Pimpoi and her father, Suk Suk, are able to communicate with plants and trees and kind of persuade them to take certain actions and kind of vice versa, these plants are able to kind of feed them um, information about, you know, there's a disease here or mm. there's a certain insect attacking us and kind of help the plants fend that off. And it seems kind of each person in the tribe has got their own Powers. So some people are better at hunters, some people are good at healing and that sort of stuff. And then the secondary location or the second location the story takes place in is more like a, an industrial westernized world. I'm not entirely sure what level of technology they have. It sounds maybe like a little bit, I don't want to say steampunk, but maybe a little bit a level below steampunk. Mm. Is, um, there's very heavy, not influences, but it's kind of, for me, heavily invoked stories set in kind of the American South with them essentially picking cotton, mm-hmm. uh being on uh, essentially indented servitude slash slavery. So kind of very much those are the two worlds that the story takes place in just to kind of give an overall view of that. Um kind of how did you feel they kind of tackled the indentured servitude side of things? How did you did you feel that was maybe a little bit heavy handed or how did you kind of come away with that?
1: Uh, Not heavy-handed, no. Um, I'm not sure how much I can really comment on it, but I thought, you know, they created this world where, you know, your punishment for various crimes and you sort of got the idea that it's not necessarily warranted. You kind of get the idea that when anyone does anything they can slightly call a crime and give this punishment for, they will. Obviously, you know, commenting on various kind of incarceration things and you know, prison labor stuff is very clearly what it's talking about, uh, at least in part. And yeah, you very much have this idea that yeah, there's people who are being made to work manual labor in really cruel conditions with cruel structures um, imposed upon them about kind of like using credits to pay for things, uh, only getting your credits because of this, having to use your credits in order to actually be able to do the job that you're being made to do lots of things like that of just a trap system trap cycle kind of thing which is a huge theme of the book that i thought came across really well and it came across very well in a show not tell kind of way it felt um worryingly very you know be believable very realistic that there is this system in place of these different tracts, these different kind of farms where people are made to yeah, conduct this manual labour for the benefit of others and serve out their time, probably get their time extended, get ill and hurt and die while doing a three-year sentence, you know, lots of stuff like that, a very kind of dystopian-y kind of thing. It's not It's not a dystopian-y book because it's not even really saying, you know, something terrible happened and then the world collapsed. It's just, this is a a world with a really cruel system um in place in it. um So yeah, that you'd hope would be better fitting of a dystopian. But yeah, that's not even the vibe you get necessarily. It's just, that's a part of the world. I think
0: dystopian might be a good kind of adjective. I think thinking of this book firmly kind of falls in kind of a kind of trend of like uh, climate fiction books where it mm-hmm. is very much looking at how humanity is affecting nature and having quite often a disastrous effect not only on wildlife in general but you know human survival um mm-hmm. as well um so i think dystopian does probably apply to it a little bit because it is about kind of if she does not succeed in her mission then her world will will disappear essentially yeah. so i think that you know maybe that is kind of a correct correct way yeah. of looking
1: at it. i think the distinction i have in my head is kind of how it feels like you know a kind of precipice of kind of thing. And because it feels very much like, if you compare it to our current world, it feels very similar to where we are now. I think that's where it tries to position us and place us as opposed to, like, kind of dystopian, which feels more like it's always set, like, at least 50 years in the future kind mm-hmm. of thing, or after a significant event has happened that's caused, you know, society to shift. Actually, it was more kind of, yeah, I guess, bringing in kind of tropes and feelings of dystopian fiction into something that actually is more um contemporary kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And so, yeah, on the um environmentalist side of it in this book... um I did think that was really, really good. I liked how... A lot of it was genuinely informative. You know, okay, it might not be the specific plants that she's talking about, but the idea of biodiversity and why that's important, why there needs to be different plants in an area for them to thrive, um, why you need bugs, why you need birds, how to encourage different things, how pesticides are bad, but there are other ways to control a pest population, um, All sorts of stuff like that I found really interesting, but not in a sense like I was being told it in a science lesson, right? Um, Because I was being told it through this fiction book, but now I've come away from it knowing a lot more about the science of ecology or whatever the, the discipline is than I ever did before that I thought was really good. And I thought also, so a book we listened to recently, The Ice Children, very much had a let's care for the environment, we need to improve this, we're on the edge of things disappearing forever vibe to it. And we both discussed how that was done really well all the way through, and then at the end it slapped it on really hard. And it it sort of knocked the edge off the power a little bit for us because it it just went too heavy-handed with the... And this is how it relates to your world, right? But I didn't find that with this. I thought this all the way through maintained the advocacy for environmentalism without laying it on so thick that you feel overly preached to that yeah i thought the balance was really really good what did you think about
0: that yeah i think as a criticism for industrial agriculture i think it was like highly effective kind of like mm-hmm. one of the concepts that um pimpoy really struggles with is dedicating large strips of land just to cultivating like one yeah crop and like how, well, obviously if you do that, then it's going to damage the land and you're going to be having to deal with like pests and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's maybe better long-term to have like mixed crops and have, i think you know, the way she describes it is like using the phrase like sister plants, kind of plants mm. that will help kind of protect each other. But yeah, I think the other thing that is very, very like heavy on, I felt was like very heavy kind of like criticism, like the capitalist system Mm -hmm. as well i think that you know the criticism of that i think is basically flows through every section of the um book that takes place on the farm
1: Mm
0: -hmm. you know the need for cheap labor the Mm. the exploitation of workers the way that the capitalist system interacts with the justice system um and how when the only thing you care about is kind of making money unless you give value you know monetary value to certain things and those things aren't going to be cared for so i think all those themes kind of flow really heavily through the book but again the reason why the book works is because you care about the characters in the books like you know Mm. all the characters especially in the farm we kind of you do get to meet a few more characters and kind Mm. of get to get to care about them more but yes yeah i mean that's kind of how i felt about i think the way i'm describing it it come might come across as like very heavy-handed but it's it's not Really, it's just kind of inherent in the nature of the story.
1: Yeah, I think all those messages, all those kind of worldviews, all those things that it's criticising and the things that it's promoting in their place or whatever, I think yeah you can definitely read that there's a lot of heavy politics in there but it's not delivered in a heavy politics way it's doing the amazing thing that stories do which is putting across this worldview showing people the you know the reasonings behind it the logic behind it and doing it through a story that is is really really good and like the stuff you said about the capitalism it's Obviously, you know, we can all agree that, you know, the exploitation of labour bad, Um, you know, so many things about it are bad, but this isn't just saying, oh, that's bad, it hurts people, it's saying it hurts itself. Yeah. You know, that it cannot last because if you only prioritize profit, then you make these decisions. So, for example, kind of the main thing here is the pesticides, you know. So you keep spraying the pesticides, which kills off the bugs, which then makes bugs that survive it. So then you have to do more pesticides and then you're losing money, really. You know, not only just you have here the fact that the... Workers on the tract have to pay for the pesticides, but you've also still got that, you know, overall you're having to pay for that, you're having to do that, you're getting less crops, you're getting less crops. And it feels so hard to break that cycle because the only way that they can break that cycle is by intentionally having less crops by, you know, for example, doing the using this field, having multiple different kinds of plants. And therefore, yes, you've got a lower yield, but actually that yield's consistent across time as opposed to you just keep having a worse and worse and worse yield. So that's kind of the This is the boring, dry explanation of me doing it, right? Um, As opposed to you actually listening to the book and getting this. But I really liked that I listened to the book and, and got that lesson from it. I really liked how it told it, how it's like, we're not just saying we don't like this because it makes us sad, which really should be enough of a reason. But that's not it. It's that it logically does not work you know it, yeah. the thing that you've set it up because you think it will do is what you think it will do is it'll keep making you more money actually it won't if you prioritize these other things if you focus on how naturally cycles work how naturally things interact then actually everything ends up better actually you end up earning more money actually you end you know all these kind of things um that yeah they very much being talked about in politics at the moment um but you can learn about it and think about it and open your eyes to different perspectives through This story that I did, um, yeah, really like.
0: Yeah, I would uh, agree with you. There, we could probably talk a little bit about Pimpoy. She's the main character, and maybe some of the relationships in the books that I found particularly interesting. One of the, I think, the the relationship that I think really um, hooked me, kind of emotionally, was the relationship between Pimpoy and her mother Marek, and you know, the, the book does a very Clever thing of making you utterly sympathetic with Pinpoi's frustration at having to Mm. do these, what she considers kind of like menial household chores that are like utterly boring and she just wants to hang out with her cool dad who's you know yeah out kind of sort of (laughs) sounds like adventuring and she wants to kind of learn the cool skills that her dad's doing and there's not necessarily contempt but I think she certainly got a sense he kind of looks down at the stuff that her mother's doing is kind of maybe slightly less important and then kind of through the journey of the story that's kind of slowly revealed that she shouldn't necessarily be looking at that way how did you Mm -hmm. feel about that particular relationship
1: yeah so most of that relationship took place in the part of the book where i wasn't really into it um so it didn't really make a huge impression on me but i did get that bit at the end that realization bit at the end because yeah what she didn't want to be her role you know her mother's role in the community is the role that other women on the tract had and so it's like yes she shouldn't have been forced to do her mother's role her mother's role wasn't her role but that doesn't make her mother's role lesser you know and it's the fact that when she comes to appreciate the roles of the other people on the tract and then link that back to what her mother's role was in the community I really did like that part of it you know her role of the tract was like her dad's role um in the real and yeah these other women had the role that her mother has and she really saw how kind of all these cogs intertwine and it's not about a hierarchy or better or worse it's about what you're suited for basically um that I thought was really good and there was especially nana was one of the people on the track that did looking after people and always had the view of of keeping everyone safe and happy in mind and especially when you know we talked about injury and illness and death on the track and she's talked about how she's always trying to protect everyone else from that always trying to fight off death And I really liked this quote that was, um, if Naina could have met her enemy in a fair fight with a weapon in her hand, death would have died bloody. And that just really stood out to me as an amazing way of summarising this woman's role in this really tricky, horrible situation where people are starving and getting injured and contracting illnesses and she's there looking after them keeping them safe batting death away you know saving losing some but doing her damn best not to and that description of her and her role and how yeah that helps pinpoint recognize the different roles and and appreciate her mother's role more really really powerful
0: yeah i think that's true i think one of the other thing that really comes across in the certainly the track sections of the book is this sense of the importance of female solidarity in kind of you know, appreciating everyone's different roles. Some people are better suited to doing kind of certain things within a group and, you know, the importance of you know, making sure that you kind of stick together. Did that come across to you at all in the book?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I certainly think that's a part of it. Um, And the different dynamics that you get in there. um, Pimpoy comes to them as someone who can barely speak their language and causes problems for them um, early on in kind of inviting punishment um, from the guards in the way that she acts not meaning to, but um, that's what happens. And yet you see them bond and a very, very close bond that makes the ending sad and powerful um but you really do see that and get that through and yeah I liked that aspect of the book as well
0: yeah um so you you briefly touched on the narration Mm. already I think I agree with your comments about there was one character with like an American southern accent that didn't really work for me I think there were a few other accents that didn't really work for me that much either but it wasn't like a massive impediment to my listening experience how did you feel about like the overall like production value? Because I felt there was kind of a few bits where you could kind of tell where the edits
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you pointed that out because, yeah, I did think the same. And I'm glad it wasn't just me. But, yes, I did think there were definitely some points where you could tell that um, sentences or parts of sentences were recorded on a different day or later in the session and dropped in because the sound just didn't match up um, really with it, which was, yeah, a shame and did affect how I was listening to it. And I also thought another thing, again, kind of recurrent that did affect my listening experience was that clearly there are a lot of points in this book where there are like incomplete sentences so like probably in the written version you've either got like an ellipsis at the end of it or you've got like a dash at the end of it you know that's punctuation wise signaling this is an interrupted sentence but I found a lot of the time at least through the start of it I just thought The end of the sentence had been cut off, you know, until you realize so far through that, like, okay, there's a lot of these is clearly the style of the text. And then I got it more. Um, But I would actually just say that I don't think that's where like, oh, well, there you go. Audio can't do it because you don't have the punctuation. I think it can. And because I've definitely, you know, I know that you can perform an incomplete sentence really well that shows that it's about to go on and do something else you know with the inflection with the pacing of it with everything like that that shows this is something that was going to have more to say and you've either trailed off or it's got cut off or something like that but I didn't think that was done here I think even when I recognized okay this was definitely you know had a dot 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 in the written one it still sounded like an edit of the sentence had disappeared you know and i was confused as to where it was going as opposed to like yeah this is cut off because someone's kind of trail of thought is continuing um and things like that did you notice those in there
0: yeah i think a little bit i think i noticed the you know the edits a little bit a little bit more i think it's yeah it it can be quite tricky for a narrator where you do have sections of dialogue where they are cutting across
1: yeah but i didn't even find it was always in like dialogue and and cutting across i think it was sometimes that um as i say i think this is quite unique to the style of the way the book was written but i think there are a lot of sentences where the thought just isn't finished and isn't completed and i think that then tricky as it is for the audio version the narrator really needs to make it clear that that's what's happening with the sentence um whereas instead it just sounded like words had disappeared and it didn't make sense. The purpose of that being an incomplete sentence wasn't really there. Mm -hmm. Whereas usually when you have those dot, dot, dots, which don't come up as often in other books as they came up in this, but they do come up in other books and you kind of, you linger on the last word or you make your voice go up because there was going to be more to say at the end of it. Um, And I just didn't think that was done here. It seemed very much like the words that were on the page were read dryly. And then if they stopped, they stopped, And then there was another sentence that started, you know? So, yeah, that I felt like could have been improved upon. But overall, I did um, enjoy the audio. I liked listening to it. I think that pulled me through the fact that I didn't properly get into the story until, yeah, looking at the app about 50% when we hit chapter eight and then I got the story more. Um, I probably wouldn't have read those pages, but having them on sort of in the background meant I got to that point where I then started to really, really enjoy the story.
0: I mean, Deborah Michaels is very listenable. So she has, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, overall got a great voice for narration. I think, you know, when the emotional moments hit, she's quite good at that, especially there are a lot of sections where Pimple is like really confused and doesn't really Mm. understand what's happening, where she's frustrated. um, And I think she kind of narrates those sections quite well. Mm. I'm just looking what else is on my list. You kind of mentioned world building um, at the start. When I want to ask you about your initial pressures, mm-hmm. how well do you think the separate worlds of the real and the track were kind of realised in, in the story?
1: Yeah, so I think by the time I got to the end of the book, I left it feeling that they were done really well. You know, yeah. I had a good sense of what the real was like, where the real was, and the people who lived there, and then also, yeah, the kind of the. Um, other world that involves the tract and, and stuff like that um, where that was um, how its rules were different and things like that I ended up leaving it feeling very much like I understood that and that it was a, a clear picture in my mind but I certainly didn't start the book feeling like any of that was clear mm. or for most of it in the middle and I do really think that what would have helped is that moving to make it more chronological having some flashbacks in there sure but i think it was that main bit of that transition for pinpoint between the real and the tract where she was with boss lady and kind of so it's the section before she gets punished to mean that she ends up getting sent to the tract right and she's just ventured out Um, into this other world that I think if we'd had that earlier, you'd have then been able to contextualise better how the real was different. This world we're in now, um, and stuff like that. And maybe you could have done more of the flashbacks and flash forwards with the real and wherever she is in this second world, as opposed to I guess there being those three sections. You know, so you know the the storyline of the second world could have started where is on chapter eight when she just kind of appears out from the real and you could flash back into the real but every time you flashed forward into this other world you were following that chronologically and I think that would have helped us um, glean more things step by step of the different worlds built up that world building and just had a clearer picture in our minds anyway while still being confused by some stuff while still having the experience of what Pinpoy is discovering new things and um, that I uh, yeah is is my guess as to why the the different time zones were, were used
0: yeah cool is there any points that we haven't discussed that you want to raise
1: uh, there was just kind of one connected to that a little bit the times when Pinpoi is kind of discovering more things about this new world and you know you've got like the cultural differences effectively and um, of the places she's in there's a lot where yeah us as the listener living in a world that is much more like the one of the tract um and boss lady we know things that pinpoint is trying to figure out, and a lot of the time I quite liked that. I liked how it was showing us you know your worldview isn 't the only worldview you know some things that you take as simple and are just the way the world is, actually you can question them and uh, they 're not necessarily how it has to be, how it should be you know that was kind of there, however, sometimes I found it a bit annoying in the sense of like the main one was there was a really really prolonged recurring keeps coming back to it bit where she doesn't understand what the system is, right? And thinks of the system as an actual person she can go talk to or something like that. And for me, that went on for too long. But I warmed to it slightly with the way it got resolved. Because, again, another pull outable quote here of her saying, was the system itself some kind of abomination as twisted and reasonless as its deathly farm? Um that was really good this is where it clicks for her oh the system isn't a person it is this system you know it's the reason we're on this farm it's the reason um we're getting punished like this it's the reason that it's just the um yield of these plants that matter it's the putting people down it's the how can we keep more people you know incarcerated in this punishment system It, it it was that realisation uh, and that quote I thought was really good. However, I think it could have been a lot quicker of her having an initial question of, where can I speak to this system person? And then she realises, okay, this is the, the nitty gritty of what the system is. I did think it went on too long of, well, how can I meet this person? How can I meet this person every yeah. time? And you're just like, it's not a person. Yeah. Um. So that sounded like a criticism. But actually, the point I was making was that I thought um overall that was really good this kind of idea of how a system that is so cruel could be so alien to someone and how that's not the way it should be you can question it and yeah the way of describing the system that creates the cruel farm is as cruel as the cruel farm itself um was really good
0: yeah so i'd kind of i mean i do have a little bit of sympathy for Pinboy because she's having to learn all of this in like a second language yeah while in while in slavery and Mm -hmm. you know communicating concepts of things might not be the easiest thing in the world but yeah yeah, i do agree with you it did kind of i would have felt she should have maybe picked up a little bit sooner because she does seem quite like quite a bright person well exactly yeah 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 Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. and uh, you know if we you know keeping it in the world of the characters instead of putting the blame on her i'd put it more on you know there's one of the uh, i think it's lacquer on the track that she asks about it and instead of actually uh, understandably it's difficult to describe right but she even admits that she sort of plays along with this idea that it's an actual person. Yeah. Um, I think there was a part that, that happens in there. And yeah, so therefore, well, the blame is partly on there for keeping this thing going. Um, But yeah, so that in the character world, of it's not really fair to keep her deluded about that. But also just as a listener, because I think in a lot of places, it, it played really well on that idea that we understand this world better than the main character in it does. But there were times where, that actually just led to more frustration than it did to a kind of enjoyment and a two way street kind of thing. But a lot of the time, it was an enjoyment two way street kind of thing, and I liked how that was done.
0: Yeah, cool. So I think I would give this a recommendation. I think it does depend on your politics. If you're maybe a little bit more right leaning, you might not enjoy this as much. It's it's an interesting take. I haven't read a, a lot of like climate fiction books or you know science fiction fantasy books where they've taken this take on. The importance of like sustainable so essentially this is a book about like sustainable farming yeah um but yes i think it's an interesting take on it uh with intriguing characters for the most part decent narration so yeah i mean if it comes along um i'll definitely uh, recommend you guys uh checking it out
1: yeah, I'd, I'd say it was good. I'd recommend it. I wished that it was structured slightly differently, that yeah. chunks of it were moved. Maybe start at chapter eight and then read three chapters and then go back to the start or something like that. Uh, read the first one, then eight, nine, ten, and then two, three, four, whatever. Yeah. Um, but if you do start it, then I recommend sticking with it because it does get much more enjoyable and much more immersive later on, I think is the important point. And then, yeah, I think it's worth listening to. I think, yeah, already if you think your your politics sort of aligns with the stuff we talked about in here, then you might uh, learn more about it. You might learn more about kind of sustainable farming that you didn't know before, look at things in a more informed way. But even if, if you're not, I think it's a good story and maybe it will open your mind up to things where you think it's impossible, where you think like, oh, yeah, but, you know, we can't sacrifice this because... Um, then we're not going to make all the profits. Well, okay, actually see how it's more sustainable to do this. I think it's the kind of things that, yeah, apply for plants, but could probably apply for a lot of other things, a lot of other business practices, various stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, I would recommend it. Thinking of it as a story, I thought it was a good, enjoyable story. I'm not going like, to say it's my new favourite book
0: Yeah, uh, ever, it's, it's not without flaws. But yeah. it
1: is worth, it's worth a listen, and there's a lot of good stuff to take away from it. I'm glad I listened to it, and I did enjoy it. Um, So, yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So, uh, thank you very much, Poppy. That's your lot for this episode. If you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, contact us via social media at audiobookishpod or email audiobookishpod at gmail.com. We have a Patreon and a Ko-fi account as well as a tip jar link in the episode. So, if you could please uh, donate generously, it'll help us keep the lights on Um, I think that's it Poppy Uh, should we say bye? Bye Bye